All right, all right, we're gonna get started. Grab your drink, grab your food, do what you gotta do. Ty, yes, yes. I almost did it tonight. We always set up the chairs and you always know like people don't like to sit in the front. I'm still gonna do it, I swear, one of these times. We're just gonna, all of a sudden I'll be up here and then I'm just gonna walk to the back and we're gonna make that the front. We'll just flip it on everybody. No one will know what's happening or what to do or how to navigate it, but it'll be great. So it goes without saying, if you need a drink or if you need to go to the restroom or if you need some more food, get up and do that, okay? Don't be like all weird about getting up and making something happen while I'm up here talking. I used to talk to students, grade school students, middle school students and high school students, so I can handle any kind of distraction. <laughs> Even if you're not paying attention to me, I can handle that too. So it's all right. Welcome to More to Life. Thanks for showing up. I just wanted to let you know in the back, we do have kind of like a schedule for the new year. And the one thing I want to point out about it is you can grab one on your way out. We have a new time starting in January. So it's now 6 to 7 p.m. instead of 6.30 to 7 p.m. We're actually trying to overlap with Sky Express, Summit County Youth. They do a grade school program on Tuesday nights. And we're trying to overlap with them so that parents can actually drop off their grade school students at the program and then come here. And then once they're finished here, they can go back and pick up their students at Sky Express. So it kind of works out really nicely because we're not 100% grade school friendly here on these nights. But you never know where time will take us and what will happen. But there's also a sign up in the back, too, if you want to sign up and receive any kind of notifications or information about More to Life. You can also check back there if you want to receive information about anything that Building Hope is going to be doing coming up or in the future. Because tonight we're partnering with Building Hope and I'm very excited. Super excited to do this talk tonight, just right around the holidays and what's happening. As always with More to Life, I want to put it out there for you. My hope for you tonight is that you leave encouraged, that you leave inspired, that you leave excited to wake up tomorrow right? That you can actually wake up another day and you can embrace any kind of the struggles or obstacles that come your way as an opportunity to grow and discover more depth and more meaning in your life. So I hope that that's kind of what you get out of this evening. I already had someone approach me and they were like, yes, you're going to talk about navigating holiday chaos. Let's just put it out there now, All right? I don't have the three easy solutions. I don't have them. They're not here. And really, if we were going to talk about navigating holiday chaos in its like, entirety, we would need like a year, right? Like, I mean, we would need a long, long course, lots of in-depth tutorials and, and discussions and conversations. Tonight, hopefully, I can give you some things that you can try some things that you can maybe practice. Maybe some of the things that I'll mention tonight fit you. Maybe they don't. Right? So as with anything, you know, take it with a grain of salt and be like, I don't know. Like, how is this really going to fit for me? Does that work for me? Does it not? Who knows? But some of these things I've tried, I personally find them very helpful. There's other things like I haven't tried. And you're going to be the guinea pig. And I'm just throwing it out for you, right? And you get to experiment and try those things out. I think we all know that the holidays can be tough, that the seasons come. Whether or not you feel it in your blood, <laughs> anxiety levels, whether or not it's about 
like just buying gifts or debt or family or the possibility of being alone or maybe there's some kind of bad memory attached to the holidays for you. There's so many reasons that the holiday season can be stressful or difficult or hard to navigate. And so as I talk tonight, just know that I'm talking about all of those. I'm not zoning in on one in particular. I get it, you get it. You're older than one year old, I know it. You've got experience under your belt. You've been alive for a while. That probably means you've had a good holiday season and a bad one too. I think we can all attest to having been there, having done that. And so hopefully tonight, maybe some of what we talk about, maybe what some of we share can help out with some of that. I wanted to start off with one of my bad holiday experiences, just so you know where I'm coming from. Um, this is my favorite holiday story to share, okay? So growing up, always went to my grandmother's house. Always. My mother's mother, right? We would go out to her house. She loved me dearly. I mean, when I talk about unconditional love with people, I talk about my grandma Seabach because she thought guys shouldn't have long hair until I grew long hair, right? <laughs> and suddenly, oh, but it looks so cute on you, you know? She thought guys shouldn't have their ears pierced until I got my ears pierced. And then it was a good thing. Like unconditional love for my grandma Seabach was amazing. I did not get to experience her the way that my grandfather did. <laughs> Right? It's safe to say. Now, I remember this one, one Christmas. We would always go out there. We would have dinner. She would decorate. She had the white tree with the white ornaments with the white lights. And her house was pristine. And everybody would come together and have the meal at her house. And we would open gifts and stuff. It was probably a week and a half before Christmas. And my mother got a phone call. And I remember the levels of tension in the house rising, and conversations taking place behind closed doors, but I could still hear, and all these kinds of things. And what we gathered was Christmas was canceled. What? Christmas is totally off. No one's coming out to the house, and no one's doing anything. And she broke it to us, the kids. She's like, so we're just going to do Christmas here at home this year, your grandmother. I don't want anybody to come. Christmas is kind of canceled. And at the time, I didn't know why that happened. All I knew was a week went by and Christmas was back on. <laughs> right? The phone calls were made. Everybody was invited. Things were going to happen. And so suddenly, Christmas is happening again at Grandma Seabuck's house. It's awesome. It's great. I got older, and what I learned was she wanted this diamond ring. She wanted it really bad, too, I guess. And my grandfather had said, we don't have the money. It's not going to happen. And so she canceled Christmas. <laughs> it was that simple. I mean, there's, there it was. A week went by. She got the ring. <laughs> Christmas was back on. I didn't know all the details until I got older. But you get it, right? The holidays come up. It's different things for different people. There's all sorts of things to navigate. All sorts of things to navigate. And hopefully, I'm going to take you through just a few different kind of approaches, maybe a few different practices, maybe a few different things that you can do. Then I'm going to end the night by talking about the word wonder. Because I believe in this word wonder, 
man, if we can just kind of change our approach towards the season, towards others, and towards ourselves, it might literally change everything. It could literally change everything. So with that said, my first little, I don't know, I don't want to call them tips, advice, something, keep it simple. And I left off the stupid. So keep it simple, okay? Keep it simple. There's so many years, we have this tradition of driving out to Kremlin and cutting down a Christmas tree. If there's snow or not. <laughs> and so we would always drive out to Kremlin and it takes a little while to get there and we'll pack hot chocolate and bring snacks for the boys and snowshoes and we'll go all the way out there and do it. We did it several years in a row. And it was like two years ago. Man, we were like, here we go again. Pack up the car, get the stuff ready. Let's block out the whole day. Can we do this? And all of a sudden we said, you know what? Why are we going somewhere closer? We can do that. We can make this simpler on ourselves. We can actually say, no, we're not going to go that far. <coughs> so when I'm saying keep it simple, what is it that you could do? I would actually throw out the word less. Maybe you cook less. Maybe you buy less and go less in debt. Maybe you eat less because you cooked less. Maybe you decorate less. Maybe you go to less. I remember one year where I threw six Christmas parties in a week and a half and had family coming two days later. And I thought, this is just normal, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like, why? Why take on so much? Perhaps you say no to something this holiday season. I want to give you permission to actually say, you know what, I can let go of, I can reduce, I can say no to things that might exhaust me, leave me resentful, or make me more stressed out. Well, I've always done it. No, it's okay. It's okay. You can say no this year. You can actually go to one less function. You can take some time. So keep it simple. Keep it simple. Simplify. Do less somehow. We didn't send out Christmas cards this year. Sorry. <laughs> if you were expecting one, we didn't do it. I don't think we forgot. No. We just didn't do it. A couple years ago, we actually felt bad because we did the whole Facebook thing. That kind of did feel weird. Sorry if you do that. <laughs> but we were like, we were like, yeah, we're not going to send our Christmas cards this year. We'll just put a picture on Facebook and call it good. <laughs> boom, boom. Happy holidays. Maybe you just do less. It's okay. Experiment around and figure out what that might look like or what you could also just say no to this year. What might it be? That's one of my things. Um, my second one I had to put out there because we just were following an election. And so I have to throw this one out there for you guys. Be inclusive. Be inclusive. This is like a mindset. So I don't know what your holiday story looks like. I don't know if you've got people visiting you. I don't know if you visit people. I don't know if you visit no one. I don't know who you're talking to and what goes around. But I was just talking with a friend who talked about her family dynamic. And she said that relationships have been torn apart and absolutely hurt 
because of this election. And I know you're going to find yourself in circles and around people and comments are going to be shared and opinions are going to be thrown out there. And I'm just asking you to try and be a little inclusive. And here's what that means defined by Phil tonight, right? I would say that if you find yourself in these settings, that you should give other people the opportunity, the freedom, the privilege, and the honor to be themselves. To be themselves. I'm not so sure that this is the time of year where you're going to try and persuade people's beliefs and like actually talk about them and take action against like what you think they should think or what's right. Perhaps we should like erase that from the playing field for the holiday season. Maybe we take those topics off the table and instead we try and find some commonalities with one another. I know that several times growing up, man, when I step into those circumstances, the first thing that starts going through my head is this comparison game. I'm back around other people. I'm at a, an office party, and I'm wondering, like, how much does that person make? I wonder if it's like how much I make. I wonder if I open my mouth if I'll sound stupid. <laughs> like, I wonder just like how I stack up against these people and how I should navigate this, what I should say, what I shouldn't say. Man, I would just encourage you to be inclusive. And I know that you're going to find yourself around people who taunt you and even bait you to say something, right? Or kind of instigate the trouble. They're kind of stirring up the pot a little bit. But here's what I would say. Um, there's this 13th century poet, philosopher, theologian, teacher. He's like a man of many traits. Rumi, he says this about your speech. When you find yourself with a person, right, and, and they're kind of baiting you, taunting you, he said that your speech should pass through three gates. Three gates. The first gate is this. Is it true? That's the question you ask about the words that are about to come out of your mouth. The second gate, is it necessary? That rules out a lot of what we say, <laughs> right? I mean, seriously, if we all operated by that, we would be talking a lot less. First gate, is it true? Second gate, is it necessary? And the third gate, is it kind? Can you imagine the tension that you could diffuse if your speech passed through those three gates this holiday season? That's powerful. It's powerful stuff. So I just encourage you again, be inclusive. And I throw out the politics thing because it just seems like that's probably going to come up for you in one form or fashion. I had someone the other day talk to me, and they started spouting off a lot of stuff. And then they followed it at the end. They go, Phil, hope I didn't offend you. Don't know how you voted. <laughs> <laughs> and I just go like this. You can't offend me by talking about that stuff. I get it. There's always two sides to every story, you know? And you're not going to offend me. Just be who you are. It's okay. And he was like wide-eyed at that point. <laughs> I don't think he'd had that response in a while. <laughs> How do you be inclusive? How do you create unity versus division? Maybe you're going to have to postpone some questions you ask. I just asked a Sky alumni student tonight, tonight here in this space, um, that came here, and the first question out of my mouth was, so what are you doing? 
And then I apologized because for the past years, I've hated that question, <laughs> right? And I actually told them, I've actually avoided places because I knew that question was going to come up and I got so tired of trying to talk about it, to talk about it. Maybe you come up with some better questions this holiday season. Who knows? Okay, so we've got, keep it simple, we've got be inclusive. This is the one that I really want to talk about, though. You can't schedule happiness or cheer, by the way. Either of them. It's not possible. I don't know if you guys have heard or listened to some of the songs. I just heard a song yesterday. It's on our playlist. And it says, literally, it's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> right? And then, it, and then it keeps on going. It's like, it's the hap, happiest season of all. What if it's not? Because life happens, right? I mean, it's not like this time of year is immune to the hardship or things that go on. I wonder about people. It's like, literally, I just lost my job. Is it the happiest time of the year? <laughs> I don't know. I lost a loved one. Most wonderful time of the year. Like, this time of year is not immune to those kinds of things happening because life just continues to unfold. I remember back to um, Anne's youngest sister. She went, in, she went into rehab and she spent Christmas in rehab and she sent us. I brought them. I love these. We still have them. We hang them on our Christmas tree. She was pissed to be in rehab. So upset, you know, and, and the conversations that we did have or the things that we did here, it was such a hard time of year for everybody thinking about her being there. And um, she sent us these Christmas ornaments. She made them, she cut them out from magazines and tried to make this one looks happy and this one is not. Like that person's like this or something. And we keep them both. But I just think, you know, your story your individual story, I don't know what it is, but I do know that just because it's the holiday season, it doesn't mean it's the happiest time of the year. And this whole idea of scheduling cheer is frustrating to me sometimes. It's like, here it comes, get happy, make it happen. It's gonna be here, put on the face or do the thing. And sometimes when I hear those songs about it's the best time of the year, Words like best and most reek of this high expectation level that I feel like that ramps everybody up around this time of year. And when I hear those words and I think of those lofty expectations, the word that comes to mind for me is perfection. And I detest the word perfection because I'm a perfectionist. So it's like awful, you know? This time of year can be about, all right, you need to create the perfect experience the perfect meal, you need to find the perfect gift, you want to have the perfect conversations, you want to be the perfect version of you. And that right there alone, I feel like sets us up for this sense of failure and this sense of self-judgment. And it's this kind of letdown because I don't know about you, but the battle for perfection with me is all up here. 
And it all takes place up here. And I create these ideas of grandeur in my mind that never translate over into my messy life. They don't work. Like, and so there's always this letdown. There's always this afterwards that I'm never quite content with. And so I guess the whole you can't schedule cheer or happiness, I want you to just let go of those expectations. Let go of the expectations. I think we need to lower the bar just a little bit. Is that okay? And I think we need to like toss out the word perfection and just say, hey, here's the holiday season. And here's my story right now. And it might not be neat and packaged or happy, but it's who I am. I went out to breakfast last week with a friend. And I'm going to try my best not to get emotional. I had a sucky last week and a half. Like, it was pretty bad. And I'm not going to go into details, but it was, it was rough. And my friend said, hey, do you want to go out to breakfast? And we scheduled it a week ahead, and things were pretty good. <laughs> and then the breakfast came up, and I thought, you know what? Man, I, the, the evening before, I was like, I don't want to go to breakfast. That's honestly how I feel right now. I woke up the next morning. It was even worse. You know, I really don't want to go to breakfast. But, so I went to breakfast with him. And I showed up, and immediately when I showed up, he apologized to me and he said, oh, I'm sorry, I was up really late last night. So I might not be in the top, you know, might not be on top of my game. I was like, oh, that's all right, because I'm in a horrible mood. Like, <laughs> this is going to be great. Like, I mean, today is hard, you know? And I sat at the table, and I even texted him afterwards after we left. I said, man, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate your ear. And what I appreciate more is you allowing me to be who I am. Because I couldn't put on the face, and I couldn't act like it was all fine. But I'm telling you what, sitting across the table from a person and sharing helped. It helped. I don't know what's in that sort of magic cocktail there. You know, like when you sit with a person and you look into their eyes and you talk things out. But that's what's next on my list, which is get it out. Get it out. Again, I don't know your story. I'm not sure where you're at. But my head can be a scary place. I'm guessing yours can too. And the longer I let things stay up here, and fester and not be spoken or shared, the more trouble I tend to run into. That's just me. Maybe you can relate. And so whether it's me talking with a person, whether it's me seeking help from a therapist, whether it's me sitting down with a friend and processing out loud, whether it's me grabbing a journal, I brought one because this is mine, and I've been writing in it. And paper tends to be more patient than some people, I know. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. But maybe you need to write it out. Because once you get it out of here, something happens. It feels a little bit better. And the more you tend to get it out, the better and better I think that feels. Whether or not it's you playing the comparison game and you're just writing it down, like what I said, man, I really feel like I don't stack up. I don't feel like I measure up. I'm feeling inadequate. Blah, 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 blah. Thanks for listening.
<laughs> you know, like, but get it out of here so it doesn't just sit there and play on that loop. And then tend to go somewhere and even have a little steam and build and change and grow into other things. It's important to get that kind of stuff out. I know I have a friend who um, <laughs> said, I don't even have the words, though. I don't even have the words to kind of get it out or say it or whatever. And so most recently, she took a hammer and nails. <laughs> and she beat it out, right? And I was thinking for the holiday season, hey, I mean, if you've got the extra cash and you can go buy a bag of cheap ornaments, just have a smash session with those guys. <laughs> Do something to get it out. Something to get it out. Don't let it sit inside of your mind and play on that loop. I found that that can be dangerous. And here's what I would say, too. If you are going to tell someone and lean on another, which I think is really important, I think that's sometimes one of the hardest things in life is just to get talking and to share. And maybe you can find someone who has something similar. That's always nice. If you do confide in someone else, if you do choose to share that with someone else, and you go ahead and talk and you say some stuff, and they don't really care or listen, grab someone else, <laughs> please. Go to the next person in line. Don't stop. Just because you did it once and it didn't work doesn't mean it doesn't work. I would encourage you to find the next person. And if that person doesn't listen, the next person. It's important. It's important. After that, oh, <laughs> I was going to throw this out there. This is just like an easy one, OK? Maybe for the holiday seasons, get off Facebook. Done. OK, <laughs> next. Who wants to see all the pictures, right? Sometimes that's depressing itself. Like, I don't need to be stacking myself up continually every day. I just, I don't need it. I don't need to waste my sacred energy on that kind of stuff. And if that's what you do on that medium, for God's sake, get off for the holiday season. Take a break. Hiatus. You're off. It's done. The whole thing about getting it out, I have one more area of getting it out I want to throw out there. And this one's going to be hard, but I have to say it. Forgiveness. It's probably the word that most of us don't like to hear and don't want to hear. It's the thing we need to be really good at and the thing that we probably hate the most, and it's the hardest. But it's forgiveness. You're probably going to be around some people. You're probably going to bump into someone. And it's that thing that you remember, and it's, and it's hard to get over. And you hang on to it. And I've always heard forgiveness described as forgiveness is setting someone free and realizing that someone is you. Because bitterness, anger, resentment, revenge, these are the kind of things that can eat you up inside. And again, I don't know who I'm talking to, mainly myself on this one. <laughs> but if you're going into circumstances this holiday season and you know you're going to be around those people, Try to forgive. Try. In my book, trying to forgive is forgiving. So if you're trying, you're doing it. You're putting the thought, intention, and action there. Your energy's going toward it. I would say try to forgive. And yes, it takes a lot of time. And no, it isn't easy. But I think underneath it all, beyond the holiday season, forgiveness is essential to you living free. 
to you living free and in peace. Forgiveness is huge. So let's say you forgive. Let's say you get it out of your head. Let's say you create some space in your life for the holiday season. And now the question is, what are you going to fill that space with? I've got a good idea. Gratitude. Get the gratitude in. Now, at my house, every day we have dinner. Usually, I can't say this. Usually we have dinner at the dinner table. We've got three boys, Anne and myself. And Anne started this practice that she said she picked up off of Ryan Seacrest on the radio. So <laughs> I wasn't going to say that part, but I had to throw it out there. <laughs> so good old Ryan Seacrest. Um, but we literally sit down at the table, and Anne will sit there and ask the boys. She'll say, tell me one good thing that happened to you today. Now, if, and then it goes silent, by the way. Um, <laughs> and everybody puts on their reflective faces, and we all start pondering and thinking about what did happen good to us today. Because if she'd posed the other question, what didn't go so great today? I mean, we would have had to stand in line and fight for space to talk about what happened to us today. It's so much easier to complain. It's so much easier to talk about what happened to you that wasn't fair and what was wrong. And, and before long, you kind of live in that space. But if you can get some of this other stuff out and if you can create some space in your head and your heart, I would encourage you to get in some gratitude. Take it in. If you can sit at the beginning of your day or if you can take notice throughout your day and be aware of the good gifts that are in your life, it will fill you up in a way that you can't imagine. It's powerful. And there are so many good gifts that all of us in this room experience. And you can get really basic to the simple joys of life. But when you can start to take some of that in over some of this other negativity and some of the other things that happen, slowly but surely you can watch things kind of shift your perspective on life and some of the things that are happening. And now, none of the things I'm saying tonight are an easy fix or they're going to solve all your problems. But I'm telling you what, gratitude is a big one. I grew up with a mother who was pretty pessimistic, and I have her DNA. And it's, it's a great, um, and we talk about it all the time. She's like, oh, I know how you're thinking. I'm like, well, I know how you're thinking too. Like, it's just what we do. Now, a couple years ago, she went through lymphoma and she went through chemo and, and it was hard. And the one thing I noticed different about my mother after that process was how grateful she is. She's changed. And I asked her about it. We talked about it. And she told me, you know what you need to do? And it changed my life. You need to keep a journal. And you need to write at least one thing down every day that you're thankful for. She's like, it's changed me. And I've listened to words come out of my mother's mouth that I didn't think were possible. You know? And she'll be a part of situations. And I know how I'm thinking. And then I'll hear her say something that's just not, where did that come from? That's not a part of our DNA. Like, where did that, ah. This gratitude thing is real. Gratitude, gratitude. Fill it up with gratitude. Um, my final one, and then I have a couple of stories to share, but show love and be present. Show love and be present. 
there was a long time ago, Ann and I were in college and dating, and there's this time I was so driven. I mean, if I'm not 10 minutes early, I'm late. It's kind of how I operate. It doesn't fit in with the culture up here, I know. It's horrible. But that's kind of how I operate in my mode of being. And I'm very driven by appointments and being on time and looking at things and, and clockwork. And there was this one time in college, Ian and I, I found her and I had to be somewhere. I was late. I had scheduled a couple things. There were too many places to be at once. And, and I really wanted to find her and talk. And I found her and we had this conversation and we launched into this long, in-depth conversation. And it's so funny because this was before cell phones were like a dime a dozen, too. I should throw that out there. So we're just out here talking, and no one can get a hold of us. And then I come back, and my best friend was talking to me, and why are you late, and all these kinds of things. Afterwards, after we had been married like a year or two, we had this conversation, and she brought something up and told me about that moment. She said, you know, I really knew you loved me when we had that conversation. And I said, why? She said, because we talked and you never looked at your watch once. And that has always stuck with me because the idea of being present in our culture today is difficult. It's very difficult. What did I say? I think the last time we were together, I said the average adult checks their phone 150 times a day, something like that. And most of those are interruptions, right? You're doing something else. It buzzes. It does whatever it does. It's very difficult to be present. And I think one of the things we could do better to kind of navigate the holiday chaos is to actually just be present. <laughs> and that kind of sounds really simple, but I think it's really difficult. It's a hard one for me, I know. But to be present and to actually take it all in and to savor the moments and to not rush through them and to not be replaying other things or thinking forward to that other stuff and one of the practices that I've heard that works really well is when you find yourself in a chair, you sit up tall, you put both feet flat on the ground, you breathe in deep, and you breathe out, and you just sit in the moment. And it's like you take the moment into the cells of your body. You know, it kind of soaks into who you are. But to be that present, and then also to show love to the people who are in your life, I don't know what that looks like for you again, but I hope that you can demonstrate love. I found that sometimes when I'm in those dark places and when I'm in that space that I feel like I can't get out of, sometimes showing love is the thing that brings me out. It's the thing that like opens a door and says, oh yeah, here's this other space you can step into. And it's wider and it's bigger and it's brighter. Come over here. So. For what it's worth, those are some of the ideas that I came up with when I was looking at this. And then I want to leave you with the word wonder. I've got about uh, 18 minutes here. I'm looking at my watch. But my boys are colorblind. <laughs> I don't mean to make fun of them, but it's, it's kind of funny. Like, so we're, we, we'll do things, and Silas is like, yeah, that's brown. I'm like, no, it's not, man. That's green. Like, it's 100% green, and you can't see it, and that's funny. And so anyway, <laughs> both, grand, both grandfathers are colorblind, too, right? So they've inherited something. I am not, Anne is not, but my three boys are all colorly challenged. And so they, 
the other week, like, Silas was like, now check this out. He's like, Dad, Dad, you've got to see this. There's these glasses that they've made that correct colorblindness. And I was like, no, this is not real. Sure enough, like, we watched this video. And the video wasn't that great. It was like some 20-something putting on these glasses being like, oh, oh. And it was like, no, 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 no. But it was like he had just seen things for the first time. But sure enough, on this website, you can take this colorblind test, and you can click through all these things and figure out, Silas, what's the term? What, what are you? You're a moderate Dugan. <laughs> they have these terms, you know, that classify like what kind of colorblindness you are. And so anyway, these glasses, you put them on, and suddenly you can see colors the way they're meant to be seen, right? I want you to think about wonder that way. Because I think there's a way that you approach life and how you see all of life and other people. And I think the word wonder needs to be brought back in and when you can see that in people, and more importantly in yourself, I think it changes the way you live. I think it really does. And I think some of these other things start to fall in place. Forgiveness might be a little easier. Being inclusive might be a little easier once you tap into the wonder, once you can see that. Now, I'm a big magic freak. Love magic. We watch David Blaine. We do all kinds of cool things. And so I've done this trick once before, but I want to show it to you, right? And you pull out the light, and you swallow it, and then you spit it back out. You put it in your ear, pull it out over here. And it's like, yeah, this is really cool. I throw it to Chloe. She catches it. She throws it back. Oh, yeah, thanks. All right. And then, like, and then you pull off the fake thumb, and everybody goes, lame, right? This is like how magic works. Magic is this cool, wonder-filled thing until you realize it's a trick. And it's like, for real? Like, is that? No, 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 no. And it's kind of lame then. My question is, like in our day and age with science and technology and all that's out there, is there any magic? Is magic real? I mean, like if we live long enough and experience you know, all that life has to offer long enough, will we be able to explain everything? Or is there room for magic? And I think that when I look at all of you and experience you, I say, yes. Yes, there is. I really believe that. I know that at the end of the day, we can, we can split atoms. We can like divide subatomic particles, and we can figure all of this stuff out. We've got amazing scientific strides. But at the end of the day, you, you're a mystery. Like, I love golden Oreos. Love them. I love them much better than their chocolate, worst-tasting counterpart, right? So that's my preference. That's me and how I'm hardwired. And then there's you and how you're hardwired. And what's interesting is you like, you're this interesting cocktail of bones and blood and cells and all of this crazy stuff. And if we got into the science of it, you'd sit there and be like, man, my body is pretty amazing. It's pretty cool. We could talk about the huge universe and the bigness of it and how crazy amazing it is. And I had some of it prepared, but I'm skipping it because we don't have time. But you are a 
miracle. My son, my oldest son, Silas, was, he was born with the cord wrapped around his neck four times. He, he was in an emergency C-section. My second son was born, and after he was born, Anne was rushed down to Denver because she developed HELP syndrome, this life-threatening condition that can happen sometimes after you give birth. If you just pause and think about it for a minute, the number of stories that are in this room about you just being here right now, it's miraculous. It's miraculous. And then not even just because of the fact that maybe you escaped danger or death sometime, but just because you exist and you're here. I believe you're wonderful. I really do. I believe you're full of wonder. And I think the more that we can start to grasp that, the more that we can see that in other people, you might treat them differently. The guy who cut you off in the roundabout today, you know that guy? He's a wonderful human being, filled with wonder, living, breathing, walking miracle. And we overlook that all the time all the time, all day long. I do it, I'm guessing you do too. It's crazy that I think like sometimes wonder even evokes this sense of, man, you better wow me now. I mean, I were always related to the car that we bought like four years ago. And you go, and selling cars, same tactics, right? Like, hey, new bells, new whistles, right? And like, check this thing out that you didn't know existed two seconds ago. It's awesome. And I fall for it every time. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and then you buy the car and you have it for four years and you still don't understand how to operate anything. And you're like, dang it, what's going on? But wonder tends to be like the new, shiny, just discovered kind of thing. But what if the wonder that we really need is really simple, really obvious, and you come face to face with it all day long? Because it's sitting next to you right now. And it's staring back at you when you look in the mirror. You are filled with wonder, filled with wonder. And I think the more that we can grasp that, wrap our heads around it, try and embrace it just a little bit, it'll change the way you live. It'll be like slipping on glasses that have better lenses, and suddenly you see everything different. Now, with that said, I grew up in the Christian tradition. And so every time this time of year rolls around, the story of Jesus' birth pops up for me. And I've heard the story so many times. And like, you know, and still you start to just listen to it. But a couple years ago, I just took this slight spin on the story, and I just want to share it with you tonight because it's really helped me. And it's this simple idea that if I reduce that story down to a basic plot line, what I get is the idea of some kind of divine presence becoming human. And I don't know about you, but so many times I lose faith in humanity and I can't see the wonder. More devastating is when I look in the mirror and I can't see it. But that story for me about the divine becoming human is like God saying, guess what? Humanity 
is good. Bones, flesh, blood, cells, like this thing here, it's good. It's good. Don't forget about the wonder of being human, that it's there and it's possible and you can tap into it and you can see that if you choose to. You can see the divine presence in humanity. And I feel like that for me was like inspirational. It was like, what just happened two years ago? And I was like, yes, yes. So that's pretty much what I want to leave you with tonight. And I hope that like maybe you can grab a hold of one of those things, two of those things, three of those things, try some stuff. If you try something and it works out, email me and share it with me, man. I would love to hear about it. I really would. Um, I try and end all of these nights with just a quick little simple blessing, a little simple prayer, kind of like a hope for you guys. And it always starts with the phrase, until next time, friends. And so I'm going to do that now. And then I have a quick announcement to make after that, OK? So you can uh, put both feet on the ground. You can close your eyes. You can breathe in deep. You can do whatever you want to do, whatever makes you feel comfortable. <clears throat> oh, I skipped a lot of stuff, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, we got a couple more talks lined up after this. All right. Until next time, friends. I hope that you experience true peace this holiday season, regardless of the circumstances you might find yourself in. I pray that you might let go of perfection, allow others to be themselves, remove the loops playing inside of your head, try to forgive, fill yourself full with gratitude, be fully present, and may you also come to see that wonder surrounds you. May you see it in all of its color and in all of its beauty. May you see that it lights the night sky and that it courses through your veins and that it's also sitting right next to you. May the wonder you come face to face with change how you approach this holiday season and may it bring peace to your chaos and heal your heart. Amen. Amen. All right, so here's the quick announcement. And it's kind of fun to announce tonight. Um, we'll send out an email soon to kind of bring you a little bit more detail. But when we began MTL and we began accepting donations, we said that we were going to take 15% of all the money that's donated to More to Life. And we were going to do two things every year, at least two things. And they were going to be called generosity experiments. We were just going to see like what needs surface. We're not on a quest to figure out what's the best need. It's more about like, hey, does something come up? Do we hear about something? Can we maybe help? And so I was just going to let you know, to date, we've, we've raised $20,000. And we're taking a portion of those funds. And we heard about a single mother who lives in the county who's got some debt. And so anonymously, we're going to help pay off some of it. And it's just one thing that we can do to help someone out, right? And these generosity experiments are going to, they're going to change. They're going to morph. They're going to be a little different. We're going to try and have ones that like 
target more people. We're also going to have ones that, like, sometimes none of us are involved. Other times, whoever's willing gets to be involved and is going to be a part of it. Um, the first one that we ever did, we collected socks, and we went down to Denver and handed them out, and that was a lot of fun. Um, but so I just wanted to let you know, as we're approaching this holiday season, we understand that sometimes debt can be one of those things that brings you down. And we don't even really know our story. That's not important. We're just trying to meet a need and do something that we can do to help. And so I just wanted to share that with you guys, and we'll send an email out soon that has more details. But if you ever know of something or hear of something, let us know, because we would love to be active in our community, providing generous donations or service or whatever it might be. But thank you guys so much for showing up tonight. And as always, I always tell people, hey, small community, Look around this room, shake somebody's hand, introduce yourself. Don't get past the awkward point where you can't ask them their name again, you know? <laughs> Have you ever done that with somebody? I've done it. And then you're kind of like weird. Now it's weird to ask your name because we've, we've shared details. <laughs> but stay and talk to people. We've got drinks back there, dessert and everything. And uh, yeah, from the bottom of my hearts, happy holidays. <laughs> happy holidays. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Ha, <laughs>